Welcome to Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. Have you ever heard this joke? Why aren't there many Irish lawyers? They can't seem to pass the bar. <laughs> Sorry if I offended anybody. There was no malicious intent. I am Irish. According to 23andMe, I am 88% Irish which is quite a lot, I think. And I didn't pass the bar. Not that I took the bar, but I didn't pass the bar. And there was some time in my life when I couldn't pass a bar. Just like the intention of the joke. Here's a story. Do you know this one? So... Kukla, we'll call him, gets pulled over by a cop. And the cop says, can I see your license and registration? And Kukla says, sure. And he gets it out. And the cop says, you're driving a little strangely. And Kukla says, oh, I'm on my way to see, see somebody. And they go, who are you going to see? And Kukla says, I'm going to see my grandma. Got to take her some beer. And then the cop says, get out, and I want you to take this breathalyzer test. And then Kukla says, listen to you, Rabbi. Just come over here and put you in the face. How about this story? So a 20-something woman in the dead of winter walking around in this big old Michelin winter coat is knocking on the windows of her relative's house at 3 a.m. trying to get somebody to come out and party with her. Eventually... One of her relatives gets up angrily, goes outside in his skivvies, and throws the woman across the yard, and she rolls just like the little hedgehogs in Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> How about the story about the two brothers that get into fights at bars so much that eventually the cops in their town say, you are going to go to prison or you're going to join the army. So 
make your decision. You have until tomorrow to tell us. Depending on who you are, you might have different reactions to these stories. I hope you chuckled at at least one of them. But you also might have heard them before or can relate to them. All of these stories related to me. They were relatives of me or had to do with me in some way. So when people in my circle hear these stories, and they usually have heard them before and now they hear them again, they make them laugh. So I don't drink anymore. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I didn't go on a reflective journey to say, Lisa, you need to stop drinking now. It just happened. It just fell out of my mind. I didn't think about it as much as I used to. And then I thought about it less. And then when I would go to places where people were drinking, I would think about it. But then I would have a drink and then it, I would just have one drink. I, I didn't feel like catching a buzz anymore. This has just been some natural atrophy for me of atrophy of my drinking elbow. So my journey with drinking wandered all over the place, though. It reminds me, when I say that, this great jokes, joke by Wanda Sykes about following home somebody from a bar because they were drunk and they wind up in a tree. It's in one of her specials. Look it up. It's really great. And I can't remember how it goes exactly. So I would murder it. So I'm just telling you. Wanda Sykes has a great joke about following someone home from the bar who's drunk. I didn't drink in high school, and I knew people who did, and I was kind of anti-drink, and I don't know where that came from. I, My mother was a drinker, but she had given it up when I was like 17 I don't know if that's right around the time that my friends started drinking or if it was that I didn't know many people in my circle in high school. I was a jock who drank, but there were some, but I I didn't do it. I didn't start drinking until I was 19. And I had a short-lived career in drinking to excess my freshman year of college. And I remember it. So I was a bouncer at a bar. We could drink 3-2 beer in my state when you were 18. So there was a bar for 3-2 beer only. So for people who were under 21. And I got a job as a bouncer there. I used to be pretty strong. I used to be able to uh, bench press like 220. And I weighed like 120. 
So maybe that's why I got that job. I don't know. But I remember one night I drank warm 3-2 beer over and over again. And I ended up uh, staying the night with a friend of mine, a new friend. Uh, she was in my English class. And for some reason, I slept on a top bunk and I fell out and I hit my head and I had some kind of seizure or something. And I was throwing up and kind of seizing and it freaked the girls out in that room, as you can imagine. She didn't want me to come over anymore because I had not shown any restraint in drinking that warm 3-2 beer. And I did not want to drink anymore after that for a while. I did write a poem about it the day Jesus Christ and I rose from the dead because it was Easter weekend. I remember that. And it was the Sunday that I got up after falling out of this bunk. So for the rest of my college career, which was not very academic, as as you've heard me say before, it was weed. Weed, weed, weed. Smoked weed for the rest of my career. Did drink, but it was not like getting pound you in the face drunk. So anyway, I drank occasionally. I do. Rem there's a story there, too. So one time I was drinking and I was smoking weed and somebody told me I could make some money from selling speed. And so I bought this bag of speed from somebody on campus, and I was driving home with this speed, and somehow I ran into the side of a bus. My poor Dotson, oh my God, it got all crumpled up, and I the driver's side was all smashed in, and so was the other side. I had to crawl out of a broken window, and I thought I was just going to walk away, leave my car there, pick it up later. And then these people came over and they go, how are you? How are you? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm great. So thanks. I'm going to go now. And they're like, well, hey, hang on. We called somebody to help you. And I look over and it's the, you know, Youth for Christ house. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, they called the police. And they did. And so then when the police took me in, I was a little belligerent. And they held up the bag and they go, what, what's in here? What's in here, criminal? And I said, speed. And they go, oh, that's good. We thought it was caffeine. so. But it turned out to be caffeine. <laughs> so I was lucky. And so it was my mother who got me out of trouble. I got charged with reckless op, and then it got expunged from my record years later. Um, and then they couldn't charge me for having caffeine pills. So anyways, that was a... Funny story. So I didn't really start having any trouble with drinking until that drinking uh, was added to some depression because my life was going to shit and I had had a big breakup and I had to move home. And also the addition of family most of whom partied. After that time, that equation came into being. Then I started having 
some issues with drinking. I was not a frequent drinker, but when I would drink, I would hit the nail with the hammer. Hit it on the head. So, it was me, by the way, in the story about knocking on the relatives' windows with a big Michelin winter coat on, wanting to party, and my nephew, who came out angry that I had awakened him at 3 a.m. in the morning, and he rolled me across the snowy lawn. How about the time that I stormed out of a party because I was having a fight with somebody, and I took soda out of the host's refrigerator and like two six packs. For some reason, I believed, this is how my friend tells me, for some reason, I believed that I deserved that soda. (laughs) And I stormed out of this party, went down the steps of the porch. And then as she says it, because she was about a minute delayed behind me saying goodbye to people, came out into the yard and saw me flat on my face, on the grass, spread-eagled with still holding the two six-packs of soda. Passed out. It's funny because you can picture it, right? Uh, She and another friend got me up, got me into a car. I think I ended up puking all over myself. Had to be thrown into a shower. My partner was not happy that day. Anyway, it's funny in a way because you could picture it, right? It's funny to picture somebody storming out and then ending up on the ground. And, you know, it's not all funny, right? Because it's sad, right, that a person would do this to their body. But it's comedy in the sense that that equation, comedy is tragedy plus time. It's been quite a long time since that happened. So now I can reflect on it and I can laugh. And when I bring it up with friends who were there or anybody else that listens to it and I, you know, make faces when I'm going through the motions, people laugh. Um, But I was, you know, ruining my liver. I, there are times when I could have been killed at night while I was drinking, but I wasn't. Some things were not only funny, or even more than funny, they were hardly believable, some of my drinking escapades. For example, one night I was driving on New Year's Eve and I lived in a kind of a remote area outside of Columbus and it was just on a street where nobody was. I don't know what I was going to do, but I took off. I was drunk and I took off in my car and there was ice on the street and my car did four 360s and then ended up pointed exactly the way that I was going when I started these 
360s, these donuts, and I was moving forward while I was doing it too, you know, kind of like a spiral and a spirograph. And I was just like, huh? So no harm, no foul. I was fine. The car was fine. Nobody on the street was hurt. It's unbelievable, right? Or the fact that I used to be able to, in my 30s, which is decades ago now, be able to go out and perform an entire set, which was spoken word with some comedy riffs thrown in for like an hour, all off page, which, you know, means by memory. I I had many poems in my repertoire that I knew by heart and I could do them. And they, they aren't poems that are uh, very, you know, um, that immature that anybody could remember them. They, they have moves to them and they have interesting diction. And I remembered all this stuff. I could do all this stuff at that time. One time I did that in a blackout, in a blackout. It's like unbelievable. So I never wanted to tell my students any of these stories. And I don't think I did. Because what kind of role model would I be, right? No matter what you think and what you say about something, if you are in a position where you are leading people, you have to take that into consideration. When people are young, they think these stories are kind of cool. And, like I said, these stories are all different kinds of things. They're nuanced, right? But part of them are funny. So now I'm at this place where I'm past all that drinking. But I keep reflecting on those times. And I realize how nuanced the events are. First of all, I'd like to say I somehow have ended up on the other side of these escapades. Not everybody does. In fact, my nephew did not make it out on the other side of partying escapades. I think about that a lot. I'm really grateful that I am a person who can actually take a perspective, a retrospective, on those times of my life. And I think a lot about them, and I think tales like these, they are funny and upsetting and absurd and ironic and sad but in my case, mostly what they are, are tales of a lucky sucker. I am the luckiest person I know. I have been saved from the depths of the sea by guardian angels. And I have lived through 
precarious events. Some of which I'm only now coming to grips with at all. And thus, I'm talking about them in this oral diary, in this experiment that I'm doing that's called a podcast, in this sharing of ideas that I'm doing with you who are listening. I'm so glad you're here. What do you think about these kinds of times in your life? Do you have these times? Or are these times attached to someone you know or someone you're close to? Are they the luckiest person you know? Because I for sure am the luckiest person I know. I never want to tell anybody how to live their life. It's just not me. I know that some people who live the best, healthiest, most moral, kind, generous life can be gone an instant like that. There's no telling with death. Here I am, still alive and kicking pretty well after these decades of having these experiences with alcohol. But I would just suggest to anybody, especially my younger friends, if you choose to be a frequent drinker, or someone who doesn't drink frequently, but when you do, you really put the pedal to the metal like I did. Be luckier than anyone you know. That's the key. And you have to ask yourself if you're lucky when you're sober. Everybody feels lucky when they're buzzed. But in a moment of genuine sober reflection, ask yourself, am I that lucky? Am I really, really lucky? And what if I'm not in one day? Am I afraid? Am I afraid of losing all of this that I have? If you say yes to the latter, then don't. Chance it. You have to be a pretty lucky, lucky, lucky person to live through all the escapades that are someday become funny. And you just have to kind of think about it and go, is it worth it? I don't know. My best friend and I talk about our times in, on the edge a lot. He now is a father. He has a son. And someday this is going to come to bear. He's going to share stories of his life. I don't have that kind of responsibility. Thank goodness. One time... I was drinking with another friend. We got drunk together. And he had a crush on me. 
and he asked me, would you have my baby? And I said, <laughs> you're kidding me, right, Tom? I'm gay, first of all. And second of all, I don't want any children. No, 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 on every cow, no. And he looked at me with his drunk eyes and he leaned over even more closely and said, Can I just have a blowjob then? <laughs> he was not lucky. Thanks for listening. Keep thinking. She's got no lessons planned for me Because she's not that fancy She's a professor forever Professor forever